we are neurologically designed for connection. And we've done so many studies on animals that have been disconnected yeah. and how the maturation does not actually uh, occur in a healthful, confident, competent way. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Flare Up Show. This is your host, Chrissy Cordingly, and I am thrilled today because we're talking about relationships and connection, which is definitely something that I try to do well. It's something that's very important to me. I've always just wanted to belong, a place where I could belong. I've always had deep relationships with the people I'm close to. I was always interested in learning about their lived experiences. It's something that speaks very closely to me. And uh, I was so lucky to have this time with Michelle Hoffman. She is a master life and relationship coach. She helps people get the tools they need to improve every relationship to live their lives the way they've always desired. She's a two-time international best-selling author on love, personal, and professional relationships. Her corporate career includes helping organizations improve their client-employee relationships as a portfolio manager, business development director, and she's also a social scientist at Stanford University. And personally, she is a widow who was honored to have had a true loving relationship with her late husband. She's a connected, caring mom to two amazing human beings who've had similar experience to many of our children. Uh, she is a reliable, long-lasting, loyal friend, an inspiring mentor with integrity and humor, and people just always come to her to help them improve the relationships in their lives. And now she gets to do that by making a difference in the world and focusing on those strengths that she naturally has. Now she loves that, being able to help clients and friends succeed in meeting their goals and dreams. So she's, <laughs> she's so smart and so lovely and so, we just had a great time. So her book is, she has two books, Life Worth Living and New Management Blueprint. And she really shares some of the secrets and how to create those magnetic interpersonal connections, improving the personal life. And then she talks about relationshiping as a verb. So it's the art of relationshiping because really our relationships affect who we are, what we do, the quality of our lives, professionally and personally. There isn't anything we can do in complete silo or bubble. Everything depends on how we have community with other beings that are in our presence or in our periphery. So I think you're really going to enjoy this uh, episode. Michelle is just very, she's, even though it's very high level, she makes it very easy to absorb and understand. She's very kind, very compassionate, and obviously an expert at what she does. So really looking forward to hearing your feedback on Michelle Hoffman. So welcome her to the Flare Up Show. But first, a message from our affiliate. From feeling broken and ashamed to unlocking potential and transforming your life, it is possible. As you'll see in transformation coach Christina Foxwell's new book, The Glass Angel, Foxwell shares her story of breaking free from shame and fear and finding hope, love and freedom and guide you to do the same. Get your copy of The Glass Angel, a guide to freedom, peace, transformation and growth by Christina Foxwell at ignitepurpose.com.au. That's ignitepurpose.com.au.
Hi, everybody. I'm so excited because I have the amazing Michelle Hoffman coming on today. We're going to talk about relationships. Very, very important topic. Nothing happens without relationships, right? Nothing in life happens without relationships. Uh, but I'm not going to do all the talking. I want Michelle to do most of the talking. So maybe just share who you are, where do you live, what are you known for, and what is your practice about? Huh. I am a California girl who lives in South Carolina now. Oh. And... I am Michelle Hoffman. I am your relationship coach. And um, one of the questions that we talked about in the green room is how did I become this social scientist to become a relationship coach? And in reality, um, I had no idea this was even an option growing up and going to school and you know, business marketing, international economics. I was a portfolio manager. I was an executive at a medical publishing company for a dozen years. And I worked then at Stanford University and they gave me the title of social scientist. Mm. And what is a social scientist? Social scientists um, look at the interactions between humans and our experience with the world. So uh, when I'm working with people, I am exceedingly observant. All the people who've known me said, oh, you've been doing this your whole life, Michelle. I'm not psychic. They think I am, I'm not. <laughs> I'm observant on like a cellular level. What is going on? What's the interplay based on the micro expressions of your face, your communication that you choose, your body language? How are you expressing yourself and what brought you to that moment to make that choice? and what's the impact of it. So a social scientist is going to look at all of those things. Um, at Stanford, we were, we were doing research in the health industry. So primary care and the outcomes. So research on how to improve all of that. In my practice now, I'm really working with people to help them understand what is happening in the world? And if you want, do you, would you like the scientific background of this? Sure. Or, uh, you want to go? Yeah, let's do it. Um, we come into this world and with your brilliant brain, where are you taking in information? We are diving in deep, very fast right here. Mm -hmm. um, how do you even collect information from the world? That's a question for you. How are oh, you Like as a baby? As any point in your time of life. Oh, um, I guess our interactions with things in our environment, right? So whether that's through our senses. You got it. So we have more than the five senses, but we'll just stick to those for the moment. <laughs> I mean, because you've got proprioceptive and how you move through time and that sort of thing. But through your senses, you're collecting information. And even if for those people who are missing one of their senses or it's weakened, our brains will uh, fill in the gap and heighten the others. So through sight, touch, taste, sound, you're a missing one, smell, you're gonna collect information about your surroundings, your environment and what's going on. Then based on your life experience, even if you're just new to the world or our understanding of it. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of data from people before they're born. Some, but not a lot. They don't know how to answer the questions. So, you know how it goes. Um, 
But then based on the data we collect through our senses and our previous experience and the outcome we desire, your brilliant brain is going to make a choice to either take action or inaction uh, in an attempt to achieve the outcome you would like. So all of that is happening lightning speed fast. And that's how we are making choices as we grow and we enter these, I would call it predatory environments where we have our own internal motivation of, I need to get one of my seven basic needs met and I can't take care of it myself. So I need food, water, I need to regulate my temperature, hot, cold. I'm hurt, I need help, I need stimulation, I need love. I missed one, but whatever. Um, so those are things that we can't originally take care of for ourselves. So we then learn in our family, in our tribe, in our community, how to reach out and gain that support. Mm -hmm. As we grow, we hope that we transfer that knowledge internally and that we can take care of ourselves. However, more often than not, we still seek outside influence to get that acknowledgement and recognition and support. Um, we enter any community, any work environment, any partnership, any family function, any grocery store, anything. And like I said, it's sort of a predatory environment. And we walk into a new environment and figure out who's who here, where do they stand on the hierarchy, and where do I fit? Mm -hmm. So once you've figured that out, there may be, you know, dynamics that play. So a social scientist is going to consider all of those things. I take into consider all of those things when you're looking to attract the right relationships into your life, when obstacles arise, when you have multiple relationships interacting on one another, how do you enjoy all of them? And I particularly love the part where I get to help people, even regardless of the challenges they've had in their past, I get to help people find the right love in their lives so they can enjoy life as a healthy partner rather than being stuck, feeling alone and lonely and isolated like there's no one there to help you in the world and to share life challenges and celebrations. That's what a social scientist does in my role. That's amazing. I always say everything is relative because sometimes people ask, like, I always feel envy. I always want to compare, like, and I don't want to have that kind of relationship. Like I want to just enjoy a relationship without feeling like we're competing. And I'm like, well, comparison is natural that's how we learn because we we filter everything through relevancy okay well that differs from this or whatever right like because that's the process of trying to figure out what something is by applying our old experience to it right so but it's just learning to frame it in a healthier way it's it's not there for you to be jealous or to put yourself at the bottom of the who's winning the contest pal it's just as a compass like do you actually want to develop that skill do you do you like is there something you're not giving yourself? Is there something you still need permission to have mm -hmm. in order to enjoy this relationship for what it is? And uh, I've been really lucky because I've had both sides where I've worked with people and you know it gets really competitive and that's not a fun relationship or a fun way to work. 
Um, but to be in a partnership where you're actually like just excited for each other, that is, that's what magic really happens. And you really sort of reach a flow, whether that's in, you know, personal relationship or work relationship. Now I'm rambling, but. Nope, you're good. All relationships follow the same cycle. Mm -hmm. All relationships follow the same cycle. I'll say it again. All relationships follow the same cycle. Would you like to know what the cycle is? Yes, please. All relationships go from chemistry to casual to committed. Mm. That's a professional relationship where you're first meeting someone who you're going to be working together with on a project, for example. It's the law of attraction. You're coming together. And just as you pointed out, you're assessing very quickly. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How can we uh, spark talent to ignite ourselves as a winning team to create valuable results? That's actually the the title or the subtitle of my second international bestseller, The New Management Blueprint. So it's really how are you going to come together to achieve common goals? Mm -hmm. Now, the secret subset in there, because it sounds like you're able to handle this. There are different levels of friendship or relationships and what you're describing is you know is there you know just a basic moment to moment relationship where you're engaging in a transaction then that will up level to actually a parallel play and then you know so you're doing the same thing like a another student in the same class you're in for example or a neighbor on your block similar you might run into one another you may be helpful or you know whatever and then this continues to grow these levels of engaging relationships these continue to grow up to the point of friendships but the first kind of friendship that we experience there is an envy a jealousy of if that person goes and has another friend and it's this grabby greedy energy that makes it so we're uncomfortable in those relationships all the way up to very sophisticated mature relationships where you can see the value in your partner having other connections for example if you've got an intimate partner they may have work relationships you don't need to grab in and say i'm the only person you can ever see or talk to (laughs) Um, and it and it enhances your whole life experience. So that's like a quick aside on one of the things that you were just talking about. So all relationships go from chemistry to casual to committed. And if you're partnering with someone on a project in the workplace, then you're going to come together very quickly, assess your strengths and weaknesses, and put together a plan of how you can achieve your goals and then celebrate those wins. There will be obstacles along the way. So how do you face those challenges and still meet those goals? How do you navigate together? How do you link arms and partner in that achievement of that goal? Here's the secret. The same thing happens in personal relationships. (laughs) So when you find a friend or an intimate partner who you can, let's take like dating, for example, and I'll walk you through this. The chemistry phase. How much do you think you might enjoy the chemistry phase of a relationship? So that's the law of attraction bringing you together and you see someone. You use your senses. You connect. You make eye contact. You're making assessments. Your brilliant brain is like, where have I seen something like this before? What is attractive? What is something I should steer clear of? 
And this beginning phase, it's very exciting. And we're looking for everything that's right, which then just fills us with this hormone rush. It's a natural organic high with the dopamine hits Mm -hmm. and the oxytocin, which is that cuddle love drug. And, um, the serotonin that's, it's just encouraging you to reach out, but it also could be like euphoric if you're really working together successfully. And this is someone you're very excited about. It's like eating too much chocolate, or you might suddenly be forgetful of, did you leave the stove on? Or did you remember to put your shoes on? And then the whole thing rushes again when your phone rings and you're like, oh, that might be my person thinking of me and reaching out to connect again. So you get this beautiful organic connection that builds together. As that flows, then that naturally progresses you into the chemistry or the casual phase of a relationship. We as mammals love to be able to anticipate what's going to happen next particularly when it's something we truly enjoy. So for example, do you have a favorite song? I have lots of favorite songs, but yes. Lots of favorite songs, even better. Yeah. And <laughs> you listen to the same song over, over and over. and over again until I hate music, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great because that music is bringing you on a, a little journey. Yeah, yeah. You know what's going to happen and you can hit the high notes with the good parts and you can feel the low notes with the emotional parts. And it's such a little journey that you know what's going to happen when you hear that song again. It might remind you of a time you shared with someone important in the past. Mm-hmm. In the casual phase of a relationship, it's like eating your favorite food at your favorite restaurant. You have an idea of what's going to happen. You have an idea of what the experience is going to be. And you're going to enjoy that because you've enjoyed it in the past. So this is good news. We've just ordered your favorite items on the menu and we get to go to your favorite places. So that's the casual phase of the relationship, particularly if it's a very exciting, intimate relationship. And you may have had the adrenaline rush and the chemistry phase of a first kiss. Now we know what we're looking forward to. Me, yeah. (laughs) What's really different from the chemistry to the casual phase is in the chemistry phase, we're always looking for what's right in a relationship. In the casual phase, there's something else that happens here. This happens in the workplace. It happens in all kinds of professional, even superficial relationships. It also happens in family relationships and intimate ones too. What happens here is this is when we start to identify red flags and those would be deal breakers. Like I cannot associate with this person. Our core values are completely out of alignment. This is not a good match for me. I need to distance myself from this relationship. There could be a yellow flag and that suggests you might ask some extra questions to clear that and see if it's a red flag deal breaker or a green light go. And that green light go is really very exciting. So exciting that it creates sort of a handshake between the two of you 
for example, if it's an intimate relationship and you're now like, mm, I've met this person, we've met in real life, we've gone out together and we've just made a commitment that we'd like to see each other one and again. That's the commitment phase. The commitment phase may be very short, but what happens is it changes everything because your identity has just changed. I now have someone I'm interested in going out with again. Hmm. Now this is a person of interest. And so are you in this setup that we've just created that catapults you forward into the chemistry phase of the relationship again, which creates a whole new spiral of that relationship cycle. Got it? Easy, right? Yeah. Super. <laughs> you know, it reminds me, I heard this once and that I love that you reference this in business too, because when I was uh, leading larger teams, I always built into their onboarding between the four to six week mark, the, I used to call it the re-entry or like the, the, <laughs> the honeymoon's over phase, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I got to check in on them because right now they're going, is this what I really wanted? Is this what I signed up for? And that's a normal reaction, right? Like just before we get to that commitment part, there's always like, oh, this is my last chance to get over this. And I, so one thing I would say to them always, like if they felt bad about that, oh, I'm so grateful or whatever, like don't feel guilty about it. I think this is just normal. I think as humans, so this was a saying that I would share that I don't know where I got this from. Uh, but first is always love without knowledge. Then there's knowledge without love. And then there's love with knowledge. And that's when you know you've made it to long-term relationship. Love that. I love that. It's so gorgeous and so right on. And that goes on with the levels of types of friendships and relationships that we have. Mm -hmm. Because it's that ability to love with knowledge that you can maintain your own identity, allow your partner to maintain their identity, and together you've created something new in this union and partnership. It's just beautiful. It's mm -hmm. just beautiful. So acceptance, right? So on a personal level, I mean, relationships are important. We need relationships. I mean, maybe we don't need a life partner per se or whatever, but whatever relationship is, but we can't get through life without relationships. Why are they so important to our health? and to our happiness. How does a relationship with another actually build our own inner confidence and trust? Mm -hmm. We are neurologically designed for connection. And we've done so many studies on animals that have been disconnected mm -hmm. and how the maturation does not actually uh, occur in a healthful, confident, competent way. So on a very basic level, we are animals designed to connect in packs. There's the safety element to it, if you wanna go into the Wayback Machine. To know that you are safe in a relationship, to know you are safe in an environment, when you are in a community, in a partnership, you get a greater sense that you are safe and cared for. So, and also we are, again, our brains are designed to look for danger. So if you wanna talk about professional relationships, I must have delivered hundreds, if not thousands of employee reviews 
because people, I had at least 50 people working for me at any point in time. That's a lot of employee reviews. And <laughs> I had a very good structure for them. And I collected data through the year. They would be like, you know everything. You never miss a thing. No, because I knew I was going to be doing this. And I want success for the people who I'm connected with. So, And I want their success to be defined by themselves. Yeah. So it's the Everyone comes to work with their own set of core values, desires, dreams, and goals. If you can align those with the desires, dreams, and goals of the team, and then set them up in alignment with the success of the organization, it's a no-fail structure. I would do the same thing in my employee reviews. And these people, you know, I'm still connected with them. I still am a reference for them, et cetera, et cetera, uh, as they are now CEOs of their own businesses. <laughs> and um, what happens is I could go through the entire review. I have highlighted their successes. I have demonstrated their ability to be resilient. I have shown where they've made the impact that no one else could make the way that they did. I've, you know, underlined the skills that they've learned in the year that's going to, because I do these annually, that's going to catapult them as a person individually and professionally in their career. And then they'd be like, that was great. That was amazing. And the only thing they'll remember was the area for improvement. Yes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in fact, the area for improvement is opportunities you may wish to take on in the future. But we are designed, to answer your question, to seek danger. When you do that all by yourself, it's exhausting. Your adrenal system will wear out very quickly. Your brain will create, you know, fascinating imaginary challenges and problems, and you will trip yourself up so fast. Any high level stress like that will eventually have some sort of mental and physical manifestation. Just merely if you're on alert and you're not sleeping well, everyone knows if you can't get enough sleep and rejuvenation through that, your brain can't clean itself out at night. You can't refresh. Your hormones are not going to be recuperating. So if I only picked one thing of if you're not sleeping well, your metabolism is not going to be able to function at its best. So there's one aspect and that's just tiny. But if you follow your natural instinct to reach out and connect in meaningful ways, then you're sharing this responsibility in a tribe, for example, in a community, and you can rely on people to support you, to connect with, where you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. You can fit in somewhere and be an impactful community member. And also you can stand out with your own specialization with the identifying features that make you unique. So the secrets of happiness, and I have free resources of this, um, the secrets of happiness are really 
identifying what's within you and understanding that the source of happiness is actually within yourself. And happiness could be contentedness. It could be healthfulness. It could be partnering in a healthy way. So again, that can all, it's, can also be redefined in your own words. One, a monk said, you know, if you're seeking happiness and you're just going to wait for it to happen, then while your search is like the wind blowing you as a balloon. Mm -hmm. And if the wind blows you where you find happiness, then yay. But if the wind blows you to a place <laughs> not finding happiness, hmm, hmm, is it the wind's fault? And in reality, it's a reminder that happiness, the source of happiness and the answer to that secrets to happiness is internal. But how do you inspire that is a whole different thing. It is. And how do you achieve it? And how do you find it? And one of the things that I would point out is it's the ability it's your resilience ability. Um, so if you are resilient to whatever comes your way, and again, feeling safe in a family, a community, a tribe, a group, a classroom, uh, you know, whatever pod you've created for yourself, it could be your family related by love as well as a family related by blood. Mm -hmm. So when you feel safe there, then your resilience also increases so challenges that come your way are not that big of a deal. I love that. You you got me thinking about, we sort of talked about this before we started recording too, about how we place expectations on others to get our own needs met. And you've sort of referenced this as well with the balloon. I think about like when I was a child, my parents were both very hardworking. We had a bit of poverty situation. There was, there was so much stress around that the only way I got good loving attention was when I made things easier for them. So then you mm -hmm. go and you sort of learn this. Okay, if I do the good thing, if I'm the good girl, then right. I will have love, right? And it, that wasn't their intention, of course. It's just the way it worked out. But in that, that developed a really, um, I guess, habit of hypervigilance and really trying to control my environment by setting other people up for feeling what I think they would want to feel right and trying to control other people's experiences in a positive way and if they didn't have a positive experience then it was my fault right or then it got to points where you put so much stress on yourself to create these environments that you start to get so tired and you wonder why, why no one else is doing it for you so then you almost become martyred right like you're the victim almost right like <laughs> I do everything and you can't even think of me what like it just it just like like you just see like the cycle um so how it's like I'm asking you for free therapy here just kidding. uh I, I got you how do we, how do we do that how do we recognize when we're putting reasonable versus unreasonable expectations on the people we're in relationship with and how do we sort of start to again start that road to our inner fulfillment and if they do something great then it's just bonus so you've actually brought up four different topics sorry <laughs> no you're good i'm gonna i'm gonna try and address each one for you so brilliant job doing exactly what i had described initially mm -hmm. um you figured out that your survival technique and how to make the biggest impact in your family 
would be to make things easier for others. Mm -hmm. I imagine that you've done this with everyone because it worked at home. Mm -hmm. Great job. That, I mean, that, what could be kinder than that? And the efforts that you put forward, I mean, I would definitely want you on my team. Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that when, if like, if you, I don't know what your status is, but if I were going to partner you in any relationship, intimate or otherwise, I would make sure because you're a giver that I would never put you with a taker mm -hmm. because you would feel like you would feel the goodness. You're getting something out of giving and that taker would be, that's fantastic. Now there's an unconditional, my son calls it the 48 hour unconditional love clause because <laughs> he, no matter what, the unconditional love clause will reinstate with mom. Yeah. And he is correct. Um, but you givers will have an unconditional love clause. If you're with a taker who you've chosen to anonymously donate to because that gives you an altruistic, that top level recognition, and you're choosing to do that for no other reason except to do that because you're philanthropic and you've got the capacity to do that, mm -hmm. that's perfect. For example, if you were taking care of a puppy, a kitten, a baby, you're not really gonna expect much back. <laughs> And if they look at you and smile or coo, or somehow in future years, they build a trust with you because you cared for them, then yes, you totally earned that recognition. And voila, there's really very few things better than that. So that's, I mean, you're a giver. Knowing that, make sure that you're you're partnering with people who won't take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. Now, my loving givers in the world, please listen. You are getting something out of giving. It's really impossible to change other people. And it may feel great at first, but if we partner you with someone who's also a giver, who is a receiver, then you get this beautiful ebb and flow where at least one of you is happy at some point in time. Yeah. And that is enough because you know your partner, your whatever relationship it, that is, could be professional, personal, friend, whatever. Then is if there's that give and take or give and receive, mm -hmm. you know that you're not just giving to elevate someone else. And that what I say is when you're busy taking care of everyone and everything, who is taking care of you? Mm -hmm. Because we don't want you to be depleted to the point where you have adrenal fatigue, cortisol stress goes up, you gain unwanted weight, you have, you know, this is where people say their immune system breaks down and this is where they get ill to tie it back into another question that you had. So partnering with the right people is key. You've also described an anxious attachment style. So, this is why I was like, she got a lot going on in this question. I got a lot going on in this break. Well, I mean, that that's another thing to your point. You are brilliant. You show it by the way you show up, by the way you articulate. Your communication is clear. You have 
a goodwill message to help others and make a difference mm -hmm. in response that gives you altruistic fulfillment. Yes. Um, see how quickly we can get that. Um, so when you've got someone with an anxious attachment style, and again, those are things that we learn very early on in life. And there are four different attachment styles to give you the five second rundown on attachment science. Um, there's anxious attachers, secure attachers, avoidant attachers, and then anxious avoidant. Okay. Any which way you are is totally fine. There's no judgment on any of them. It's a self-understanding of how you are motivated to achieve things, how, as I was saying earlier, when you enter a group, how you are going to initially see that you will be able to make a positive difference in the group and where you fit. So an anxious attacher, uh, like to identify them very quickly, they will be givers. And then in a relationship, though, of any kind, they'll be like, what could I do more? How could I do something better? How can I add that incremental value? What could I say? And if the relationship, uh, you know, crumbles, they're like, it must be my fault. What could I have done to fix this? So they take all kinds of responsibility, leaving them with anxiety and frustration and alone and lonely. But I'll tell you, it is so attractive for an anxious attacher and an avoidant attacher to come together. Avoidant attachers may have had a similar experience and upbringing to you, but what their life skill is that they've learned is that if they just don't get too close, they'll be fine. So they won't open up and be vulnerable, but they're still looking externally for that fulfillment of who they are and the role they fill in life. Um, so uh, anxious of anxious attachers and avoidant attachers will often be super attracted to one another. These avoidants are often charismatic, attractive in many different ways. They'll come together. The anxious attacher will fulfill this person and do anything to allow them to like flow and light up and illuminate into like fireworks. The relationship is as exciting as the best part of a movie moment. But much like the movie moments and fireworks, all of that fizzles when suddenly the avoidant attacher is like, oh, this is not enough. I want more. And they will then break off the greatest relationships of all time to protect themselves so that someone else doesn't break up with them, first of all, they can hold their head up high and they will then leave and distance themselves from even a really good relationship saying, looking externally for that approval, that proof that they are lovable and they'll go someone else to someone else to prove they're lovable, leaving the anxious attacher to go, what else could I have done? I gave them everything. Ugh. Now, a secure attacher like myself is somebody who gets it. And if you put an anxious attachment style or an avoidant or even an anxious avoidant with a secure attached person, then they'll say, okay, if you need some space, go take that. I'm right here. They will remain stable 
and solid for the person who needs to retreat, regroup, and then come back mm -hmm. and go, oh, okay, I'm safe here. You're good. With an anxious attacher, with a stable, secure person, um, then they will also be like, wait, I'm not enough. And the secure attachment will be like, you're totally enough. What are you talking about? You're amazing. And they'll go, huh? Actually, we talked about this very beginning when we met. <laughs> I didn't realize that we were playing that out. But I was acknowledging how I together totally be in one of your books. Yeah. People ask me, how do I move from this anxious attach anxious attachment or avoidant attachment style? And I say, the way that you do that is through working with someone who understands the attachment styles and can bring you closer to a secure attached relationship. Also, if you're partnering with people in you know intimate or professional or personal relationships with a secure attacher, they will naturally bring you to that point, mm -hmm. um, which can be undone you know, outside, unless you learn the tools. So with my clients who are anxious attachers, we bring them to calm. We help them set boundaries and open up so they are fulfilled by giving to the people who appreciate them. Mm -hmm. And for the avoidant attachers, we invite them to stay in a relationship. And I ask a litmus test question. Do you want to be in a relationship? Yes. Do you want to be in a relationship with this person? that's where things change mm -hmm. and they, they say yes then it's a matter of how can we make it safe for you to stay and then you i've partnered oh my god i love what happens naturally and organically is um my clients will attract relationships to them where their partners will be like hey can you be nicer to my girlfriend <laughs> so they'll just hold space while an avoidant attachment style spins and works all that through in their head and they're still safe with their partner. I'm like, that's right. You got it. All right. So I think I got three of them. The fourth one is seeking approval outside your core values. <laughs> I was listening. Um, we You're going to need a nap after talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Like the dog. <laughs> no, you're rocket was my favorite thing to do in the whole world. um so we and our core so i help people find out what are their core values because we have them we base all of our decisions are based on our core value system mm -hmm. but so often we just forget them or we don't pay attention to them and instead of having this clear well-lit path toward our goals we go oop shiny object that looks interesting <laughs> Try that out. It looks fun what the heck? and then i've fallen off course from my goals right okay that's fine as long as it's fun if everyone here's the other litmus test is, are are you safe are you hurting anyone is anyone hurting you are you having fun Okay, all good. Go chase your shiny object. Have fun over there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not going to stop you from success. It means you realize, oh, this is this is fun. Okay, we're good. Okay, 
So when we figure out what our value system is, and I usually invite people just, I have a list of core values. We circle all the ones that are important to us. There's there's a total secret ninja skill in here. So listen up if you want to get that one, that part. Then we choose the top five that represent who we are right now in life. And they may change a little bit through life, but not that much. You've chosen your top five. Then all the decisions that you make, and I do this in a professional setting too, because I want to respect the people who I'm working with. Mm -hmm. um, so I make sure that anything we're doing is in alignment with their value system so that they are not compromising who they are to make something happen. Um, so once you know your values, then you go, ah, is the decision I'm making in line with my values and goals? Yes, then that's a yay, yes, go for it. If it's outside of your values, then I would invite you to question, why am I making that choice? I'm not going to tell you not to. It's your life. It's your one precious life. You get to do what you want. But I would invite you to use it as a GPS and go, hmm, am I still going the direction I want to be going if this is where my value system lies? That's fine. Now, here's a couple of extra keys and magic to how this works so beautifully. If you're looking to invite someone into your life, let's figure out the core values you'd like to invite into your life. Because they may not be exactly the same as yours, but they'll be, you know, uh, complementary. Mm -hmm. People ask me, do you believe in love at first sight? I do. It's a lot easier to find what you're looking for when you have an idea of what you are looking for. Mm -hmm. And looking for, um, I have three layers that I help people attract, uh, navigate and enjoy the right love in their lives. One is where are you at on the lifeline of your relationship arc, I call it. Where are you at in life? What if, what are your, what's your potential? What's your capacity? And what would you like for the rest of your life? To find someone at a similar intersection makes the relationship easier and fun. You could be at different points, but making it similar makes it easier and fun. Why not put that in place first? Then having comparable core values aligns how you make decisions as individuals and together. Then everything else starts to get easy, right? Next level, faith, family, fun, fitness, physical, finance, career, intellect, culture, all those other things that we tend to put first and we just hope the other things are going to line up. Put them in this order is my big secret ninja skill and understand that you can have an idea of when someone is right based on the value systems and where they're at in life and, you know, all the similarities that we enjoy when we're the, with a partner, putting those in order makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, to answer your other question, so I guess there were five layers to your statement. <laughs> I got you. Uh, was this. Do you think it would make sense to seek approval from someone outside of your core value system? 
I agree with you, but what happens when it's one of your parents or someone you respect, a teacher or a mentor? Then that needs another outside, somebody who knows what they're talking about to figure things out with you. Because in reality, if someone, even a parent or a mentor is making decisions outside of who you are and what you believe in, seeking approval from them, it's never going to work. They're just not going to give it. And they find they can find power over withholding it over you. Mm-hmm. So there's ways to get what you need from that and move forward in life and have a wonderful relationship with those people without compromising who you are. And that's a big growth opportunity that being a good girl, for example, that's what you said, you wanna be a good girl. You can be a good girl. And I'm gonna use your parents who I don't know, which is why I feel it's okay to use that, or anyone's parents. Um, They are back here. For some reason, I have attached to this hand signal to this message. So (laughs) I don't know why, but it comes up every time. They're here and they have given you the best they could. They've imparted what they could for you. They made the best choices based on their environment, their economics, their circumstances, and they've offered you whatever they could give you at that point. But you are here. So you take what you would like and what will serve you, but you, as you can see, have a totally different environment, set of variables, goals, dreams, desires. So with that, you need to make the right decisions that are right for you, not just the ones that will say, good girl, from these people here or for whatever culture that gave you that programming. So that's how that works. When we're in partnerships, we have these expectations that other people can fulfill these wishes and dreams and goals. In the example of a parent-child relationship where you're the child, the parents are giving so much safety, security, uh, you know, nourishment, all the seven things. They're helping you to regulate hot, cold, food, water. Are you hurt? Uh, do you need love? Do you need stimulation? I got all seven that time. Uh, so whatever, if you're listening to the recording, pay attention to those seven. Um, but when we continue to ask advice of them, that's then outside their area of expertise, that's the boundary we've asked too far. So knowing what's what your advisory boards, I'll call it, uh, expertise is, and asking them within their zone of genius and doing what's right for you. I think I answered all of the secretly layered questions. (laughs) Good job. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm really curious about, and I know listeners, like we really love learning sort of the personal side of the guests. So if you're willing to share, what sort of got you into this work and has this been a part of your personal journey as well are these lessons that you've had to incorporate into your own relationships absolutely true um i have people who come to me now asking for my help and guidance and becoming clients uh as far back as i may have you know been on one call with them and they'll be like oh my god you're the person 
I want this change. I believe I can make this change. You're the person to help me make this change. Let's go for it. But I've also got people who've come back who have known me for, you know, a short time or for years or a lot of years or as many as since we were nine years old in fourth grade playing together. And all of these people tell me that I have been doing this my whole life. Mm. That's what makes me so good at this, at helping people adjust all the relationships in their lives so that they can enjoy them to the fullest. Um, how did I come to this? Like I said, I had jobs working for large organizations. All I ever wanted in my life was to be with the most amazing partner. And it took me longer than I thought to find him. I didn't realize I was developing this process in the process. We met, he knew at dinner, by the end of dinner, I was the one for him. It took me a little longer. It was the dance floor on this cruise we were on and he kissed me. I did what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman. I laughed. <laughs> I have nervous laughter too. And he was brazen enough to go, well, what's so funny? And I went, my whole world has changed. My life was going down the tracks this way. Now they're going toward you. And that's what every man dreams of when he kisses a woman. We were together ever since. We built a home together. We built a life together. We built a family together. And it was small and it was perfect until he died. And it was at this point that I needed to rediscover and rebuild my life in a way that was going to not only work for me, but help be the guide for other people through these kinds of major life changes, challenges. If you lose someone so important to you, it does change how you live in the world. Um, I am now helping people move through grief, move through loss, move through trauma, move through a big change like moving locations or uh, changing jobs or being on the heels of heartbreak to rebuild and become relationship ready for all relationships, be the person you'd like to become and invite a tr and enjoy every loving relationship in your life. So that's life worth living is how you know, this was the widow guide.com. If you need that book, I'm happy to give you a download of that. I was picked up by a publisher. Both those books are international bestsellers. Yeah, I publisher. Thank you. Um, and I'm helping people all over the world through that. My newer program is find love now. And this is a series. Two of these are written, but my publisher hasn't published them yet officially. So you'll need to come to me directly to get this information. I'm happy to share. And these are all about how to attract the right one to you mm. and up level that relationship, setting the foundation and groundwork for solid, easy to enjoy, loving relationship, because life is better with good love in it. Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for your time, for your honesty for your candor just for being yourself thank you thank you thank you for the opportunity it's a pleasure it's a pleasure to meet you I'm so excited about you <laughs> thank you thank you I 
Yes, this was this was amazing. And um, I'll make sure all your information in the show notes for our listeners so they know exactly where to find you. Are there any last thoughts we'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up? Well, for your listeners, I'd love to extend an invitation to go to the art of relationshiping. It's a verb to relationshiping. Um, so if you go to theartofrelationshipping.com, you can click on speak with Michelle, and I'm happy to help you set up an understanding of what is your relationship challenge and what would be your ideal relationship dream come true and how to achieve it. So theartofrelationshipping.com is how you would reach me. And many of those resources that I talked about are free resources on that website, theartofrelationshipping.com because life is better with good love in it. It is, it is. Thank you, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you again, Michelle, for being on the show and for sharing so much of your heart, your passion, your energy, and of course, your brilliant brain. Oh my word, you're so smart. And I'm just really happy that you are now in my life and I just can't wait to spend a little more time with you in the future and all of you please reach out to michelle she's absolutely amazing artofrelationshipping.com now next week we're going to change pace a little bit and we're actually going to share the story um of someone that's actually still going through a recovery process uh, she she's she calls herself that hoarder and she started a podcast and a blog uh to sort of chronicle her journey of recovery from being a compulsive hoarder. She's middle-aged, she lives in the UK, she has been a compulsive hoarder most of her life. Um, and as a child, she said that she was all the time, but just didn't understand how to tidy up. And as an adult, she really just lost the ability. And it's not that she wants to live that way, and, but de-hoarding and getting into getting it cleaned up has been proving difficult. So, you know, things like being attached to an envelope or a top that hasn't fitted her for years. The practicalities of getting things done are tricky. Now she has gone through therapy and that has definitely helped problematic thoughts, but then the work still needs to be done. Trash bags need to be filled. Everything needs to be disposed of. And that's where it gets overwhelming and she gets a little stuck. So she started this podcast and, and web and blog to make sure to share that what she is going through as far as progress. She's hoping to use this as motivation for herself, but also to appeal to other orders out there so they can offer mutual support and share their experiences and different uh, tips. Um, <laughs> so she's she's really amazing. And I, I just, I love that she's so brave to share things that I think a lot of people would have a lot of judgment over. And I don't think there should be judgment over that. I don't, especially, if someone has, you know, acknowledged and, and has started doing the work, I mean, I think that's really amazing. So I'm just really excited to spend some time with her. And I think you're going to find her story very interesting. And of course, you will have access to her website and things so that you can reach out if this is something that runs in, in, in your life or in someone who loves life. Um, maybe there'll be some great tips for you to have and some comfort there too, that they're that it's just a work in progress. Whenever we're healing, it just takes time. And I've said this a few times, uh, there's a therapist, psychologist named Andy Hahn, and he always says, healing is just the ability 
to handle things we previously couldn't handle. And I think that's that really says it all about recovery. So it's really learning how to handle the things we weren't able to handle before, but that is the definition of healing. And it's a process and it's a beautiful gift that we can apply. And uh, yeah, stories like this really, really, really inspire me because all of us have things uh, that we <laughs> attach to, whether that's stuff or people or whatever, we all have different attachment styles. So I find it really, um, interesting and really inspiring and someone's very open about their story and just let people in so that they can understand that <laughs> that they're people too with thoughts and feelings and and deserve just as much dignity and respect and support as anybody else on the planet so uh, we'll talk to you next week don't forget to check out the glass angel on ignitepurpose.com.au don't forget to look at my link tree if you would like some hypnosis products or to order my planner or to check out my other show healthwise 360 that i do within the limelight media in the usa so anyways have a great day we'll talk to you soon bye Have you checked out the Happy Life Planner yet? This planner is actually more of a workbook. It's an undated 90-day planner created with love to remind you to take care of the most important person in your life, you. This planner is designed from practices that have personally helped me create a happier and healthier life. My wish is for these tools to serve you just as well. You know, I'm a big believer that nourishment is more than just the food in our plate. And I have filled this awesome workbook with tips for fulfillment in all the important areas of our lives, from home environment to relationships to careers and so much more. Now, it can be overwhelming to think of all the balls that we need to juggle, all the different roles that we need to play. But this planner will also provide you the skills to assess which areas need a little focus and how to make the most out of the time and energy you do have available. Life is messy, life is busy, life is unpredictable, but this little workbook made with love will help you stay on track with what you can control and change. Now available on Amazon, the Happy Life Planner.